Welcome to another round of the shorts, where I share bite-sized ideas about the good life as they happen on the go. If you are a brand new listener, please check out the regular episodes as well. So now, on to the show. Hey, this is Kristen from the Positive Psychology Podcast. Let's talk about this thing called internalization. Now, very often when we learn about those, it's in a negative way, right? So, for example, oh, you hear the the voice of a mean teacher who always said you couldn't do a certain thing, for example. And the internalization process means that you've heard something so often that it just becomes part of you, even if the person or the, the source of that internalization are not with you anymore, right? But this process obviously works for good as well. Um, people sometimes think about like, well, how do certain people manage to be so creative in the moment? Or how can speakers who speak, how do they manage to um, give good off-the-cuff answers or table topics if you speak Toastmasters? And one of the answers is that they're just so used to that. They're ju- they have just internalized certain things often enough that it's not an effort anymore. It's a, it becomes a part of their being. And the ideas, the, the, the most suitable parts, just kind of float to the top. And it seems very natural. It seems like, oh, they can just do this. You know, it's a little bit like Federer, you know, the ball that's so fast. Like, he can't consciously think, like, oh, I'm going to run over there, and then I'm going to do it like this, like, Probably not. Um, you know, Nadal on the other side, he just slams shit, right? So, so that's the, he doesn't have enough time to react, but he can react because he's internalized um, reflexive processes. So we can use the same principle and internalize positive things so that stuff like humor and gratitude come more easily to us. All right, cheers, bye-bye. If a journalist followed you around all day long in the past week, what would that person been able to kind of infer about your priorities in life and your values? And this is a powerful question because we think about a lot of things and based on our thoughts, um, it's easy for us to think that, you know, we're good, our, our priorities are straight because we thought about those things. And I'm exactly like that. I'm a, I'm a thinker, so so when I, you know, it's it's easy for me to kind of assume, well, I've done my part because I thought a lot of good thoughts. But if people would actually not hear your thoughts, but just follow you around and see what you're up to all day long, what would they learn about your priorities? And that's a question you can ask yourself. Now, with me, um, you know, last week, they would have learned that I love to go for walks where I stroll. They would probably have seen that I like green and birds and sunshine. And they would have noticed that I love to learn because I was studying stuff um, most days. Uh, They would have also seen that I like people. Um, That I, um, yeah, that's about it. I think that's pretty much what they would have seen. Uh, they also would have seen that I like to stay inside and can be completely unproductive for hours on end. So yeah, that's what would they have seen um, if anybody had bothered to follow me around. So think about it. What if somebody would follow you, would have followed you around last week? What would they know about you, your values, your priorities? Cheers, bye-bye.
I've noticed that some people get kind of pressured internally um, when they're pursuing things which are actually designed to help them, like meditation or the more abstract concept of balance, right? So people say stuff like, well, I should lead a balanced life, and then they get completely stressed out because they perceive their life to be imbalanced. Um, so the natural thing that happens is that some good, you know, talented writer will be like, well, balance is not achievable, it's a little bit like perfection. And while I appreciate um, this idea that the, what the writer is trying to do, they're basically trying to take the pressure off by saying, look, balance is not something you feel um, every single day or even sh should be strived for because life naturally comes in ups and downs. Um, I think if we kind of subscribe to this logic, we don't understand where the problem is. And the problem lies with a mind that turns absolutely everything into pressure. So if you, if your brain kind of tackles everything, no matter what it is, with this kind of um, toxic per perfectionism way, and you, you, you stress yourself out because you're not a good meditator, you're not a good exerciser, you're not a good this, you're not a good that, um, then kind of always looking for the next thing is not going to help you. The thing that is going to help you is to change your relationship and to understand that that the expectations you have of yourself and maybe also those concepts are not as helpful as they could be because if they were helpful, you would have the mental flexibility to understand um, in which cases to, you know, get off something that is pressuring you and in which um, instances you should persist um, because we do get more rewards from things like meditation if we stick with them instead of getting stressed out because we're not good at it. But I know this is a bit, um, it can sound like I'm criticizing you. I'm not criticizing you at all. Um, I think this is actually pretty normal as in the default way to think um, when you grow up in a competitive society. You just always want to excel at everything and you think that only the best get everything they want. Um, so this is not about blaming you, but it's about recognizing that this is the precise mindset that will turn absolutely every cure into a problem sooner or later. And instead of letting that happen, be honest about it, and let's see what we can do with that. Hey, this is Kristen from the Positive Psychology Podcast. In the previous segment, I talked about talking, toxic expectations. So once you know that you might suffer from some of those, what do you do about it? I think the important thing to realize, the most important distinction, is to understand the limits of the competitive mindset. What do I mean by this? All right, so if you partake in a race, all right, there is actually really only one winner, one second place, one third place, and if you're fourth place, there is no medal for you. That's a fact. But actually, most things in life are not that sort of competition. If you think about it, um, there is no mechanism that limits the number of people who can experience self-compassion, peace, um, 
kindness, all of these things, you know, the good stuff, the stuff that makes life worth living, there is no mechanism that kind of says like, oh, so now too many people have happy relationships, we have to ensure that there is a natural balance. That does not exist. So the competitive mindset does not apply when it comes to a lot of things that make us happy. Hello, Kristen. I wanted to thank you for your segment on toxic expectations. Very well done. I agree wholeheartedly. I will say, I do have an editorial comment, and that is, I am one that strongly objects to the notion of balance. Because I think for most people, what comes to mind is the vision of Lady Justice, right, with the scales, where all things are even. And I think that for many of us, that's setting ourselves up for sabotage, because what does that mean exactly? Whose life looks like that? Nobody's. So what I always focus on and what I invite other people to focus on and consider is, rather than balance, consider harmony, whether all things are working together for the life that you are trying to create, rather than this notion of balance. Equal work, equal home life, does anyone have that? Anyway, thank you so much. Today I want to talk about why self-compassion is absolutely crucial to self-development. Now, I'm all for, um, you know, growing with our strengths and focusing on what's good. But the reality is that if we want to overcome some issues in our lives, we will at some point have to face the aspects of ourselves that we're maybe not terribly excited about. Now, the main reason why this is hard um, is basically twofold. So number one, um, we just hate to be right uh, wrong. And um, the other thing is also that we fear not necessarily just other people's judgment, but our own. And this second part, kind of hard to know that um, unless we have felt what it feels like when we don't judge ourselves that much. And that's what self-compassion can do. A lot of times people shy away um, from admitting certain things like uh, bias or something. But the truth is in psychology, these biases and stuff like that, they're found in everybody. Right? So, of course, some people have them less, but, like, there is no such thing as a person without any kind of bias whatsoever. So, if you look at it from a common humanity point of view, which is, incidentally, a part of the concept of self-compassion, mindfulness and self-kindness being the other two, um, when we look at it from a common humanity perspective, um, identifying things like bias might be troubling to us, but actually, if we see that, well... Yes, it's, it can have troubling um, consequences, but those consequences are way worse if we're not willing to engage and to face the truth. So what self-compassion does is that it enables us to kind of shine light on the not-so-nice parts of ourselves. And because that the shining of the light is done in a self-compassionate, in a constructive way, we are actually strong enough to to face that discomfort. Otherwise, if we do it in a judgmental way, and that's also true for other people, not just for yourself, we will probably, the discomfort is just too strong. So cultivating self-compassion is absolutely crucial if you want to grow.
Cheers. Bye-bye. The audio you just heard was recorded in Anchor. Learn more at anchor.fm. Thanks for listening to the Positive Psychology Podcast. We're saying goodbye with Happy Yogurt. If you hear this very announcement, I just want you to hit me up on social media. So just say hello on Twitter, Facebook, uh, send me an email. Why? Just because I want to thank you personally for being the kind of person who sticks around to the end. Have a wonderful day. Bye-bye.